0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks are 6-1, and and they are going back on the road, traveling all the way to the East Coast for another 10 a.m. Pacific time start. And they're taking on the Buffalo Bills, who are leading the AFC East. Joining me on the show today is Clay Troya of thebuffalofanatics.com. He's the host of the Bills Counterpoint Podcast, he had me on this week as well, so be sure and check that appearance out. But I wanted to bring him on and talk a little bit of Buffalo Bills. Ask him some questions about what he expects from this game coming up and the Buffalo Bills. Clay, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Brandon, and thank you for coming on my show as well. I re- really appreciated that and had a lot of fun doing that as well. Hey, you know, we talk football, and in
0: a week like this, just talking football is much more fun than, than talking you know, just about anything else.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, good, good distraction right now to have you know, kind of nice to be able to mentally depart from other things and just come back to football. Right, what we all feel a little bit more comfortable with. We can talk
0: about how badly the Seahawks will beat the Bills. That's uh, and 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 I know you'll, you won't have any disagreement with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, originally, you know, coming into the game, I, I don't think I don't think I would have just because our defense is struggling. But uh, you never know. You know, any given Sunday, we saw a lot of weird games last week. So you, you never know, really.
0: I And, and of course, I'm kidding. I, I think this will be a difficult matchup. These two teams, obviously, I think the uh, record wise, this will be the top team that the Seahawks have faced this year to this point. And Josh Allen at the beginning of the season, Clay, he he got off to an incredible start of the season. And I'm sure you're not unaware of the fact that there's a lot of Josh Allen hate out there just ever since he was drafted even. And I felt like at the beginning of the season that was starting to turn around a bit and people are going, oh, hey, wait a second. Maybe we were wrong about this Josh Allen kid.
1: Yeah, that was crazy for me to see because I, when Josh Allen was coming out of the draft, I was not a fan of him either. And that was because, you know, I was only looking at the statistics. I didn't really take a take a dive into his film or anything like that. I was just looking at that completion percentage and just saying, you know, he's a raw quarterback. Sure, he's got a cannon of an arm, but can he hit anybody in stride? And so, you know, I, w- I was kind of in that same boat that a lot of people were in. And then, you know, guys like, you know, PFF are, are someone that uh, Bills fans have had quite a, quite a battle with through here. And uh, you know they were kind of the guys that really didn't seem to want to let it go for as long as possible that that you know that Josh Allen isn't there yet but those first four weeks, I think it was undeniable we got to see a little bit of you know someone created a Josh Allen apology form that was circulating around Twitter for a while right. <laughs> and you know it had you you check off the reason why you didn't believe in Josh and you know you state your apologies to the Bill's mafia so that was pretty cool to see and um, yeah I, I'm just glad to see that he You know, it's more the person than the player when it comes to Josh Allen, I think, because he did come out as a raw prospect. And, you know, it's a testament to who he is, you know, coming out of college, he didn't have any offers, sent, you know, a thousand letters to different schools, ended up going to JUCO and only got one offer out of that. And he's the kind of guy that just doesn't quit. So it's been a real testament to, to his mentality and his attitude in the game of football.
0: Well, I just remember even as Seahawks fans, I felt like we had to take notice of Josh Allen because it was our general manager, John Schneider, that took a visit to Wyoming, went to his pro day. And, you know, as Seahawks fans, and I, I think that was, you know, around the time of we our contract discussions with Russell Wilson. And he's going out there and looking at quarterbacks, you know, what general managers are supposed to do, evaluate talent. But, you know, the fact that he was at his pro day, it was just that little bit of question of, oh, should we should we go ahead and take a look at this Josh Allen guy? Because our general manager is there and in person. It, it was a very interesting time to think back to and, and just remember our general manager there going there to scout him personally.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of, a lot of the GMs and coaches, they just wanted to go see how strong his arm really was. I think that was kind of a, kind of a big pull for him. It right. was, it was, you know, I want to see, can this guy actually throw it 80 yards in the air? Cause, cause you know, apparently he had done that before, you know, he, that's, that's what he claims. You know, I'm still waiting to see the Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen throw off, but <laughs> yeah, you know, and he's, I think just because he was such a raw prospect, I think a lot of guys wanted to go take a look at him and, you know, maybe if he were to drop in the draft a little bit because he was kind of unpopped. You know, maybe some of those guys would have taken a risk on him if he dropped into the second round, kind of like a, uh, you know, like a Jalen Hurts situation where he he kind of dropped out and the Eagles said, well, hey, let's, um, you know, let's let's take a shot at it and see, you know, what could come of it. It looks like it's a good decision now because Carson Wentz is is not playing so well. So we could see Jalen stepping up and getting some playtime there. Yeah,
0: you never know when that backup quarterback might come into play. Obviously, the 49ers getting having the the quarterback injury this week and Jimmy Garoppolo maybe not playing the rest of the season. So Backup quarterback is important, but, you know, what's more important, especially for a guy like Josh Allen, is having a number one wide receiver. And the Bills went out this offseason and they made a big move getting Stefan Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings, making that pairing with Josh Allen, because I think that was something that he really needed. And I feel like that's materialized through this these first few games of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you kind of could see that last year with John Brown, uh, you know, that was his number one. And John Brown had never really been a number one guy anywhere he had gone before. So I think he not only proved himself, John Brown did. I think he showed, uh, he he had a really good showing last season and of running routes that not a lot of people thought that he was going to be able to run. And he he did a good job in that number one role. But going out and getting Stefan Diggs, that, you know, especially going into that third year as a, as a quarterback, that third year is kind of the one that everybody says, this is the proving grounds, you know, year one, year two, those are your growth years. And now going into the third year, you got to prove who you are. And so I think they wanted to, you know, give him a little bit of extra help there. And, you know, uh, you know, Brandon Bean has said that he actually tried to get uh, digs last year at the trade deadline, but that, that deal kind of fell through. But yeah, picking picking him up was a huge acquisition. I remember when it happened. I was texting everybody I knew, freaking out about it. And uh, and the Vikings, you know, the Vikings made out well in that trade too. It's, it's a rare occurrence where both of the teams won the trade. Where the you know the Vikings now have Justin Jefferson, right. who's a, a number one, a future number one for years to come. So you know, Bills got the guy they needed to win now, and the Vikings got their guy for the future. So it's a win win for both teams, and you love to see that honestly it's funny you bring up John
0: Brown because he's a guy that I, I have kind of forgotten about a little bit because he used to be in Arizona. So he was with a division rival. In fact, they had John Brown and they had Jaron Brown. And so we often referred to John Brown as the good Brown, but then the Seahawks got Jaron Brown. And so we, we couldn't really say that anymore. But um, I, I do remember him being, you know, one of the you know, behind Larry Fitzgerald, he was their number two for a while. Has, have you seen that kind of success with, with that pairing of him with stefan diggs is that giving him additional opportunities and maybe allowing him to be more successful than he was even last year
1: yeah it's it's been kind of hard to tell this year you know he's been dealing with injuries all season really he's he's, he's getting up there in age he's right around that 30 30 year old mark hmm. which is usually kind of where the decline starts with most of the most of the skill position players so he he's getting right around that that area but I mean, like I said, watching him play last year, I think we were kind of thinking going into the season that having Stefan Diggs was going to open up the game for, you know, Cole Beasley and John Brown to get a lot more targets and a lot more catches because people are going to be worried about, you know, having to cover up Stefan Diggs and the first four games, they, they kind of just ignored John Brown and Cole Beasley and said, no, we're just going to throw to Diggs. And it worked out really well for him. And he's, you know, I think he's, number one in the league in targets, uh, number three in receptions, and number four in yards or something like that. So, you know, the Bills have really been utilizing digs to to his full potential. And I think John Brown kind of, you know, being in and out with injuries too has been a factor with that. And, you know, Beasley's kind of kind of a different, different type of player. And the Bills have have kind of struggled to mix him in a little bit. So I do think when John Brown comes back and you know is completely healthy, it's going to be something to watch because If one guy's covered, the other guy's going to be open. And I think it's going to be really tough once those two guys are there who have both been in the number one role. It's going to be tough to stop both of them. Let's move over and talk about the run game, because watching some
0: of the Bills leading up to to Sunday's game, I I was kind of curious to see where they've had success driving the football. And to me, it seems like it's on the drives where I see the Bills running the football well. And uh, you, you drafted a running back, Zach Moss, toward the mid rounds. He was one guy that Seahawks fans kind of had their eye on potentially. And it seems like he's running the ball hard. Uh, it seems like you have a nice pairing of capable running backs. But it, it, am I seeing this correctly? Is it, is, are you seeing success primarily when the run game is clicking for the Bills and, and with Allen even making some of those plays with his feet?
1: Yeah, it's it's been kind of kind of night and day. The first four weeks are almost like it was a different season. It's kind of like that was really, you know, the first four games kind of was preseason, because after those four weeks, everyone kind of learned what the Bills were doing. So the first four weeks, they were just throwing the ball, throwing doing nothing but throwing the ball. And I think that kind of kind of stunted the growth of the run game this season because after the after teams figured it out and they started dropping back the Bills were not able to successfully run the ball and that does go you know along with some injuries that the Bills have had on the offensive line that certainly doesn't help and kind of the the lack of performance and growth from Cody Ford who is a former second round draft pick I believe the second rounder and we've been you know he's been a pretty disappointing prospect at the guard tackle position he's he's played a little bit of both but really i think last week was the first time that everything came together and i think that's a lot of that credit goes to john feliciano coming in off of his, off of an injury he had a, a pectoral tear earlier that kept him sidelined for the entire season until last game and i think him coming in really kind of hit the reset button for that offensive line and allowed those those guys you know moss and singletary to to really kind of tear it up And that was that was all they did. You know, Josh Allen only had 18 pass attempts last week, I think, where he was averaging 30 plus every game before that. So, you know, hopefully that that can kind of give them more options moving forward in in being able to run the ball. And hopefully that can open up things in the pass game again.
0: I felt like a lot of those passing attempts turned into scrambles this last game. And, And maybe that had to do with the offensive line, because going up against the Patriots going into that game, Clay, I thought that Buffalo would be able to handle that Patriots defensive line. And maybe a part of it's due to the familiarity that Belichick has with Buffalo, or I I'm curious, maybe it had something to do with the bills offensive line being so beat up.
1: Yeah. And in the center, Mitch Morse got injured last game early in the game. He he was out with a concussion. Uh, I don't expect him back for the Seahawks game. I, you know, he's had a, a history of concussions before, you know, the players don't try to play it up. Like it's a big deal, but playing against the Patriots is a big deal. And I think they knew that and that they really kind of had to get the monkey off their back by beating the Patriots. That was the first time the bills beat the Patriots on in orchard park since uh, 2011 was the last time that they did that. Uh, And that was Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, was in a shootout with Tom Brady that game. Uh, You know, that was the, I don't know if you've ever heard the video, but look it up. If you haven't, the Fitz scream, um, uh, happened uh, around that time as well. When, when we really heard how, how Fitzpatrick likes to scream like a little girl, which is great. If you haven't heard it, look it up. You know, I still love Brian Fitzpatrick to this day. He's so good for the game of football, but yeah, I mean, you know, getting that monkey off their back was something that they still needed to do. I think there were still some jitters going into that game, even though the bills had the better team. They going into that game, they had a much better roster than the Patriots did, especially with injuries to Julian Edelman and Stefan Gilmore. So, you know, Josh Allen, he was rolling out of the pocket a lot when it was a clean pocket and we've seen kind of almost scared play from him like that against the Patriots before, but I haven't really seen it against many other teams. It seems to only happen against the Patriots so far in his career. And that's a big reason why up until that point, he had never beaten the Patriots. So I think I'm hoping now we can kind of move on from that, you know, those jitters in, you know, taking down the beast that was the new England Patriots. I think they've been taken down now and I think everyone can kind of relax a little bit and hopefully that that'll settle them in a little bit more.
0: Buffalo gets the monkey off their back with the division rivals. But do they have another one on their back when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks? Let's look at some of the history between the Buffalo Bills and Seattle Seahawks. We'll do that coming up next. Talking to Clay Troya of the BuffaloFanatics.com. He's the host of the Bills Counterpoint podcast. And just looking at some of the history, there's not a whole lot, Clay, because these two teams, they they play every four years. And really, Russell Wilson has never played at Orchard Park. The last time these two teams faced was Russell Wilson's rookie season. That game was played up in Toronto. And I I don't know if you remember this, but it was a 50 to 17 beatdown. It was (laughs) it was part of this run for the Seahawks where they were just putting points up on the board. And you had the Legion of Boom defense. They, They were really hitting on all cylinders. So they have this would be Russell's first time playing there and just looking historically, even the Seahawks have an eight and five record against Buffalo. Like I said, the last two games these two teams have played, although I, I think that one in Seattle was a really close one that came right down to the wire
1: yeah that the last one I think it was it was a night game I can't remember if it was Sunday or Monday night but that was a night game with uh, Tyrod Taylor at quarterback and I remember because that was one of the best Tyrod Taylor games he had Mm. when he was on the bills he was really on on point there he was throwing the ball really well Robert Woods was still on the team at the time and he had a really good good game that week as well Um, but as far as the Toronto series uh, I don't know what you're talking about that never existed to me Um, so uh, I think the only thing the only thing I remember from that game with Stevie Johnson making a really nice one-handed catch, and everything else from the Toronto series has been uh forced out of my memory uh, as quickly as possible. Right. <laughs> so um, yeah, as Bills fans, we we like to forget that that happened.
0: That makes all the sense. Any any game where the opposing team scores 50, you just you want to block that out forever. You maybe even also want to block out that game that we saw a couple weeks ago between Buffalo and the Jets because we saw the Jets take a 10-point lead early. And we just saw Buffalo kick field goals the rest of the day. Still got the win. What was going on in that game with the division rival
1: Jets? It was just a lot of uh, pointing the gun at our own feet. Because, you know, anytime the Bills didn't punt once that game. Uh, I think they had one turnover. I think Josh did fumble in the pocket one Hmm. time, and that was recovered by the Jets. But other than that, I don't think there were any turnovers, and there were no punts from the Bills. So it was kind of just a weird game. Uh, A little bit of an anomaly, really, because anytime they would get into the red zone, they would, you know, have a huge penalty. And, you know, Josh Allen threw a touchdown pass to our rookie wide receiver, Gabriel Davis, and it got called back because it was an illegal formation. Not enough guys were on the line of scrimmage that play. And then, you know, Tyler Croft makes a nice catch down the sideline and pulls a Daniel Jones and just falls over. So it was just kind of weird little things that kept on happening like that where the Bills just couldn't get into the end zone. And that was a, a such a frustrating game to watch because, you know, we knew that we were the better team and we were driving the ball down the field and doing really good. And we just couldn't get into the end zone. But, uh, you know i'm not one for moral victories too much but tyler bass did get a lot of experience that game and he's a rookie kicker so i think you know he he kicked the ball eight times yeah so when you when you get to kick the ball that many times in a game and he made six of them so you know it, it was good to see because we were a little worried about him before that but yeah i mean it, it was a, it really kind of a, a lackluster performance from the offense that game but the defense did a great job in the second half i think they gave up four total yards so you know the defense did their job there and the offenses couldn't make it into the end zone.
0: Yeah. Seahawks fans might even still be a little bit mad at Bill's fans for cutting one of our favorite kickers of all time, Stephen Hauschka. But I think by the time Hauschka was let go, uh, maybe Bill's fans were ready for him to move on.
1: Yeah. And we, and I love Stephen Hauschka when he was, when he was with us, he was a great kicker, very consistent. He could kick in any kind of weather. Um, You know, the last season he had some struggles a little bit. There were some games where if he had made a couple kicks, we would have won the game, or we would have been in the game. Uh, the Cleveland games coming to mind the most for me, and you know, it's kind—it of, was kind of an interesting decision that the Bills got rid of him when there's no preseason, and you don't really get to see your your rookie kicker get any in-game action, even if it is preseason. So, you know, I, I, hopefully in the long run, it pays out. But yeah, Stephen Hauschka, I'm, I don't, does he even have a job right now? Is he, is he still uh, unemployed think he does. On the I,
0: I think he may have gone in for some tryouts, but I
1: don't think he has a gig right now. That's interesting because he is a good kicker. He's oh, yeah. he's pretty solid. I'm surprised no one else has brought him in. Great guy too. Him and his wife are lovely people, and you know Bills fans welcomed them with open arms. And it was uh, it was really nice. Her or uh, excuse me, his wife was very active in the community as well. Great people. So I, I was I was sad to see him go.
0: Oh yeah, he was he was a fan favorite for sure while he was here. Uh, Well, we've put it off long enough, Clay. We haven't really talked about the Bills defense. I know you probably don't want to. And it's it's surprising to me that it's kind of a point of disappointment for the Bills this season because I just know going into this game, you know how when we first get the schedule, we start to look at the teams going down the schedule and go, you know, trying to decide which teams are going to provide a challenge, which ones might match up well. And I had this game dialed in as one that would challenge the Seahawks because historically the Seahawks haven't had that strong of an offensive line. They've improved upon that this year. And historically, the Bills have had a very solid defensive line and gotten out after the quarterback. And I don't feel like I've really seen that much of that this season.
1: Yeah, and you know, I know Adam thinks this as well. Your co-host on the Seahawkers podcast, he mentioned this yesterday as well. But games are are won and lost in the trenches, and the, that was that's something that the Bills have really been struggling with this year, especially on that defensive line. Uh, Star Latulule, our highest-paid defensive lineman uh, in the interior, there he opted out before the season due to COVID, and. I think everyone kind of realized after he opted out, everyone kind of realized how much he actually means to the team. He he's really the unsung hero at this point, because before, you know, he's not the kind of guy that'll show up on the stat sheet, but he's the kind of guy that's going to take up those double team blocks. He's the kind of guy that's going to keep the linebackers clean so they can go, you know, hit the gap and make their plays. And, And the bills just don't really have that anymore. There's no one on that defensive line. That is a threat to an offensive coordinator that makes him go say, Hey, I need, we need to put two guys on him. And, and right now all they have to do is just put a hat on a hat and those guys on the defensive front really aren't making anyone pay when it's just a, a single block. And that's what you need to do is if if you got one guy on you, you got to make him pay and you got to go, go make that play. So I think that's kind of where it all starts. And then from there, it just works its way backward. You know, Tremaine Edmonds has been struggling this year and he's kind of, his development has been stunted a little bit. He is still very young. He came into the league at, I think 19 years old, but I think without Starletulule Tulule and with Matt Milano being injured for a lot of this season, you know, in that outside backer position next to him, he's really been struggling out there. And I think, you know, he might, he might have a little bit too much weight on his shoulders right now. You haven't even mentioned Quentin Jefferson or have, have, have oh, the Seahawks yeah. make <laughs> a mistake yeah.
0: by allowing Quentin Jefferson to be signed by the Bills.
1: No, no, they didn't. Um, I, I, you know, I haven't really seen much from him, to be honest. You know, it's been, you know, he really just hasn't made much of an impact. Yeah, it's he's kind of had just hasn't been really noteworthy. And I'm not sure what you guys thought of him in in the past. You know, when he was with you guys, was he a player that you were sad to see go? He you know, it
0: was it was kind of a, a division amongst the fans, because if you looked at some of his pass rush productivity stats, he graded out pretty highly in terms of the pressure that he was getting from the interior of the defensive line, but I think when you really looked in and watched the games where he was most productive, it was games against inferior opponents and games where they were kind of going up against dudes who who may have been injured. And so, I for the for the price that he was looking at in free agency, I I was saying you know at, at under no circumstances. And even Jaron Reed has been a little bit of a disappointment. Who, you know, he was the guy on the interior who go back a couple seasons when he was paired with Frank Clark, he had double digit sacks. So I I had more confidence that Reed could return to that kind of form than than kind of the productivity that we were getting out of Quentin Jefferson. But there were a lot of Seahawks fans who were who were a bit sad to see him go.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe we just, I just haven't been taking a close enough look at him. I've taken a look at the the defensive line before. I really, I took a, a pretty deep dive in the, uh, in the Titans game there because that was a huge disappointment on the defensive front. Um, but he never, he never really caught my eye. So that might be a good thing at times, because if you're a defensive lineman, sometimes you don't want to, you don't want to be noticed. Sure. You want to take up the double team block and you want you want to stay quiet, but you know, we haven't really generated a lot of pressure from our our defensive line this year at all. I think most of our sacks have come from the secondary where, you know, McDermott and Leslie Frazier are bringing, bringing guys up into the box from, you know, like guys like Jordan Poyer, uh, who's a, you know, great and very aggressive, good tackling safety. So it's been kind of disappointing really to see, you know, Jerry Hughes kind of finally stepped up a little bit. He's a psychopath by the way. Um, (laughs) So, you know, as soon as he flicks that switch, uh, you know, you could see, a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, You know, we used to say that we could expect at least one personal foul penalty from him a game, but um, yeah, it it has been pretty disappointing to see kind of the lackluster performance from the uh, defensive front. Have you seen the bills defense match
0: up with an offense like the Seahawks to this point in the season? I don't
1: think we have. I mean, you could say maybe, maybe Patrick Mahomes and maybe a little bit of Ryan Tannehill I mean, but those actually, I would say the Titans probably would be the better, the the closest thing to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be all the way there, but A.J. Brown, uh, kind of, a, you know, he's a big wide receiver, right. athletic, fast.
0: Yeah, went to school with D.K. Metcalf.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think those are pretty good, pretty good comparison between those two guys. And Tannehill is a lot better than people give him credit for. I think because Adam Gase ruined the first few years of his career, people kind of cast him off. Mm -hmm. But he's he's a good passer. And we we really had had a lot of trouble with stopping uh, A.J. Brown and, uh, and Tannehill. But we did also have Tredavious White out that game. Okay. I still don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna matter though. E- even with Tre'Davious in, we've we've just the Bills have been bringing in so many guys on the defensive backfield because that other corner is is just really weak right now. We we brought a guy up from the practice squad who's a rookie, Dane Jackson from Pitt. Uh, I can't remember if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, and he actually performed well. It was against the Jets. He had an interception uh, against Sam Darnold. And, you know, that got Bills fans excited because it's like, oh, my God, is there a corner that can play on the opposite side? So I uh, I'm pretty worried. I I am pretty worried about what's what Russell Wilson, D.K. Metcalf, you know, um, Tyler Lockett more. You like there are so many weapons and then you got Disley Olsen. It's going to be a nightmare. You can't cover all those guys. And and, uh, like, you know, I think the Bills are going to give up 30 plus points and I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to be that uh, that bold of a prediction to say that.
0: Well, and I guess the one thing that you would take away, too, as a Bills fan is that you watched a Buffalo team that put up 35 points on a Rams team that has a pretty solid defense, especially when you look at the guys on the defensive line with Aaron Donald. You don't have anybody on the Seahawks defensive line that you have to worry about or account for like you do Donald. So you can look back at that game and say, okay, well, we put up 35 there. Can it just be? You know, the first team that gets to 35 or, or plus that. Is it going to be that kind of a shootout of a game this coming Sunday?
1: My hope is the last team who has the ball wins the game. And if it's not the Bills, I'm fine with it. Because I'd love to see, you know, a Russell Wilson versus Josh Allen shootout. That would be great. I think that would be a great developing point for Josh Allen, even if he does lose the game. To be in a shootout with a guy like Russell Wilson, who is in the definitely in the lead for the MVP race right now. Being able to just go toe-to-toe with a guy like that and really play in a competitive match with a top-tier team, that's that's something that the Bills have not been able to do, even going back to last year. And you know, this year, the two great teams that they've played so far, the Titans and the Chiefs, they haven't been able to perform. So I think I all I want to see is that they play with them. Win or lose the game, I want to see that the Bills are hanging with them, playing with them. But, you know, they got to play clean. They can't make any mistakes. And I do think that they can put up 30 points, uh, you know, especially because the Seahawks defense has also had their struggles this year. So I think it could be kind of an old fashioned shootout. About
0: 95 percent of the Seahawks games seem to come down to the final possession. So I, I think you're you're almost certain to get your wish in this game coming up on Sunday. Clay, one other thing just before we get on out of here, I, I wish I would have shared this stat with your audience uh, when, when I was on your show, because. The Seahawks going in and playing at 10 a.m. Pacific. You know, if you go back to the Mike Holmgren era, that was just a really tough time. Whenever they travel east, they always struggled playing teams over on the east coast and in that time zone. But our Seahawks, Clay, they have not lost since 2016 playing the New Orleans Saints in the 10 a.m. Pacific time slot. So they're they're on a roll, man. And uh, I don't want you guys
1: breaking the streak. I mean, you know, I'd hate to see it go, but I'd love to watch it leave. Um, You know, I I think uh, that's, that's interesting actually, because there aren't a lot of West coast teams that can travel across the country, play an early game and win those on a regular basis. I think that's probably a good Testament to Pete Carroll's coaching and, and to a way where you can win games consistently on the East coast. But that that is a pretty interesting stat. It is interesting,
0: and I and I probably jinxed it by bringing it up with you, Clay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking about bringing up uh, looking that stat up myself before I was talking to you guys to see. Oh wait, hold on, we got a West Coast team coming right? over.
0: Yeah, because the Rams. You know, that was one of those things where gosh, you got up so big on that team, and and they scratched and clawed and and were able to come back and get into the game. Which thankfully you hang you hung on to that one for for the sake of Seahawks fans. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And uh, Henderson, uh, who I didn't even know before that game, he just gashed us that whole game. And you know, that, that was, that was terrible, but you're welcome for hanging on. Mm-hmm. You know, we were pretty excited about that one too. So yeah, always, always happy to help somebody out.
0: He's Clay Troya of the Buffalo Check out my appearance along with Adam Emmert of the Seahawkers podcast. We were on the bills counterpoint podcast. Check out that show this week. Clay Really appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to follow along on Twitter, maybe where do they go to find you?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm at Clay Troya. That's just uh, my first and last name. And uh, yeah, I I post stuff there all the time. I'm always talking Bills, talking football. So if you want to learn more about the Bills, want to to read up a little bit before the game this Sunday, give me a follow or check out what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, hope to see you there.
0: Definitely check out Clay's work. Also check out fieldgoals.com. Leading up to this game against the Buffalo Bills, A lot of news to look at from this last week. Michael Kendricks was cut from the practice squad. He's returning to the practice squad. Alex Collins, former running back, signed back to the team, joining the practice squad. Also, some news from Alistair Corp. Looking at the salary cap, there was some concern about whether or not Dunlap's salary would fit in with the Seahawks, whether they'd have to cut a player to make room or restructure another contract. Turns out Carlos Dunlap took a pay cut, so... Check out Alistair Corp's article. Alistair also following along with the 49ers news after they shut down their facility this week with a positive COVID-19 test. Obviously something to watch as a Seahawks fan, considering they just played this past week. But some other news from this past week. Bobby Wagner, earning Defensive Player of the Week honors for his game against the San Francisco 49ers. Also some bad news with regard to Philip Dorsett. He had surgery recently. Doesn't look like he'll be on the playing field anytime soon. And finally, if you haven't checked it out, you got to check out Mookie Alexander's Enemy Reaction. Those are always good articles to go and check out and see how 49ers fans were reacting during that game against the Seattle Seahawks. Continue to tune in here. Subscribe to the podcast, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. Get all the episodes in your podcast feed as soon as they come out. And I'll be chatting with Anthony Knockreiner later this week. We'll have our NFL picks for this weekend. Look for that, and until next time, go Hawks.